We read uh, tonight from Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke uh, uh, chapter 17 from verse 20. Uh, Our theme this evening will be persevering prayer, uh, taken from the first eight verses of chapter 18. Uh, But we'll read uh, from Luke 17 and verse 20. And uh, reading this to see that that the context of the parable that Jesus tells is in the context of his return. Uh, So Luke 17 from verse 20. This is God's word. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he, that is Jesus, answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They will be eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in his house not come down to take them away. And likewise let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. Amen. How are your New Year's resolutions going? Uh, We're six weeks into the new year, so time uh, for a little check. Uh, We're we're not a generation who tends to stick at things uh, very much, uh, particularly perhaps the the younger generation, uh, they're they're not limited uh, to them. Uh, uh, that, That tendency can carry over into our spiritual lives as well. 
According to the Bible Gateway website, more people look at Bible reading plans on the 1st of January than any other day in the year. But a week later, 30% of people have already dropped off. By the end of February, January's overall reader numbers have dropped by a third. And by the end of May, nearly half the people who access Bible reading plans in January have stopped. Uh, not that it's wrong to, to stop a particular Bible reading plan, of course, and, and perhaps people just looked for a plan and then followed it without clicking back on to the website. Uh, but the statistics show that we're not good at sticking to things. Uh, and one of the things that we find it hardest to persevere at is prayer. And I'm sure we, we've all felt challenged about our, our prayer lives on different occasions. Uh, and maybe it leads to renewed efforts for a while, but we can easily just fall back into the same old patterns. Uh, but if you can identify with that this evening, then the good news is that this isn't a surprise to the Lord Jesus. This was a, a problem that he anticipated uh, that's the reason that he told the parable in front of us. And uh, we're going to look at these verses under the theme tonight of persevering prayer. Uh, we have two headings. and uh, We see firstly our prayers and God's delays. Our prayers and God's delays. Did Jesus expect us to, to struggle to persevere in prayer? Well, surely we find the answer in verse 1. What does it suggest if Jesus told his disciples a parable to the effect that they are always to pray and not give up? Well, surely it suggests that our problem is, is only going to be praying sometimes uh, and then losing heart. Why are we tempted to give up praying? Well, one big reason is that we're not going to have all our prayers answered right away. If we get instant results, we wouldn't have to persevere in prayer. If Jesus had intended that all our prayers would be answered right away, he wouldn't have told this parable. Sometimes we'll pray and we'll wonder if God even hears us. Sometimes we'll get answers, but not the answers we wanted. And in fact, the context of this parable suggests that Jesus is thinking here particularly of prayers that might never be answered in this life. If you look back to chapter 17, verse 20, the first verse that we read, you'll see that Jesus has been asked when the kingdom of God will come. In verse 22, he takes that as an opportunity to teach his disciples about his return and about the fact that in the meantime, things will go on as they have always gone on. About the fact that they'll be tempted to give up on the hope of him ever coming back. And so the haunting question we're left with at the end of Verse 8 of chapter 18 is nevertheless when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, will he find people who had the faith to keep on going and to keep on praying even when things didn't go the way they wanted? 
There will be no need for faith after this life. In heaven we will live by sight. Uh, Christians will finally enjoy what they believed they would one day experience. And so the only opportunity for us to display faith is here and now. But if God just answered our prayers right away, we wouldn't need to live by faith. And so even what Jesus seems to be saying in verses 7 and 8 about quick answers needs to be read in light of the fact that Jesus begins and ends this section by talking about his return. In fact, the last part of verse 7 is difficult to translate. Many commentators think the verse should read, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night, even though he delays long over them? So the point would be that God will give justice to his elect. He he will answer their prayers, but maybe not immediately. Of course, verse 8 seems to suggest the opposite. It, It says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. But that's not necessarily speedily according to our timetable. The same word is used in the first and last chapters of Revelation where it describes the events of that book as things which must soon take place. It's also the word Paul uses when he tells the Christians in Rome that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under their feet. And those references are are to things that the church has been waiting for for 2,000 years. That's why the section ends by by speaking of Jesus' return. Will his people have given up in the meantime? But that word speedily also means that his answer will come not a moment too late. It will come not a moment too late. But why doesn't God always answer our prayers the way that we would want? Or... Apparently at all sometimes it's something we often wish we knew the answer to. Well, the Bible does give us a few, a few pointers. Uh, one reason for God's delays is that it glorifies God by showing that he is enough for us. Even if we don't get any of the gifts that we've been hoping for. Any of his gifts that we've been asking for. Think of the Apostle Paul when he asked for that thorn in his flesh to be removed. What answer does he receive? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe that's what someone here needs to hear ahead of of this incoming week with all the different challenges and uncertainties. My grace is sufficient for you for you in another place paul writes about facing so many troubles in asia that he and his companions despaired of life itself why he says this was to make us rely not on ourselves but on god who raises the dead if we didn't get desperate at times It would be so easy just to rely on ourselves. Uh, But sometimes God lets the situation become desperate 
so that we would rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes when God doesn't give you what you want, he's asking, am I enough? He's asking whether in that moment you can say with the psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth that I desire beside you. Another reason why God doesn't always answer our prayers is that it shows who God's true people are. When the hoped for answer doesn't come, will you throw in the towel and walk away? Or will you say with Job, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And if that has been you this evening and those answers haven't come and yet you're still here, you're still following him, you're still trusting him be encouraged at what that says. It's interesting in verse 7 it says God will give justice to his elect. You'll meet people who'll say that if you believe the doctrine of election there's no point praying because God has already decided things. But Jesus obviously doesn't see any conflict here. And in fact he says that your prayer life will be one of the signs of whether you're elect or not. Because God's elect are those who cry out to him day and night. Uh, Those who aren't his elect may pray for a while, but they'll give up. Notice the intensity of the language as well. His elect who cry out to him day and night. Could that describe our prayers? This isn't just a a case of saying your prayers as a box-taking exercise. Uh, The same word is used later in the chapter for a blind beggar crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's an intense word uh, used to describe people who realise how desperate a plight they're in. And so while others will soon give up on prayer, the true Christian will keep going. John Calvin once said, It is an undoubted evidence of our faith if we are disappointed of our wish and yet do not lose courage. In other words, it is evidence of our faith if we don't get what we want but keep trusting God. One more of the many reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers right away is to make us long for home. Someone has described God's children in this world as young people away from their father's country. And as long as their letters home are quickly answered and their father keeps funding them, they live at ease in that strange country and they aren't in any rush to come home. But when the money dries up and their father lets them write over and over again without sending any answer, they start longing to be home. If God answered all your prayers the way that you wanted, you'd probably be quite happy to stay in this world. But sometimes he doesn't answer so that we'll not get too comfortable here. So that we'll not start thinking that this is home. And so that we'll long for heaven. And anything that leaves us longing for heaven is a good thing. So those are some reasons why we may pray and yet God may delay. Often we'll not know which of those reasons it is. 
But whenever it looks like God has forgotten you, take the words of Isaiah 49 to heart. There the church says, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. What is God's reply? Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Yet there is more chance of that new mother walking out of the maternity unit and forgetting to bring the baby with her than there is of God forgetting about you. Even when it seems for all the world like he has. So our prayers and God's delays. While we are in this world, we're going to need to persevere at prayer. But then secondly, and to to encourage us to do just that, to encourage us to persevere, we see our prayers and God's character. Our prayers and God's character. Imagine a single mother uh, from another country who has uh, just recently moved to Belfast. Uh, She uh, doesn't speak English. Uh, She knows no one. Her her landlord charges her high rent for a run-down house. Uh, As winter uh, draws in, it becomes clear that there's something wrong with the central heating system. It comes on, but, but barely enough to heat the radiators, never mind warm the house. She tries to phone the landlord, but he doesn't answer her calls he doesn't return them Uh, finally he comes to the house but only because he has to collect the rent he says that if the boiler is turning on then it's working and that should be good enough Uh, the next day he dumps around some old unsafe electric heaters and says that if she's cold she can use them she doesn't have the first clue about the legal system but She has his phone number and his address because they're on the contract. And so for the sake of her children, she's not going to give in. So she texts him each day in broken English, asking when the heating is going to be fixed. She tries phoning him. In the evening, she starts going round to his house and knocking on the door and asking him to fix the heating. She works out his daily routine She's at at Tesco every morning as he goes in to buy his meal deal. She's there waiting for him. This man does not care. He has repeatedly ignored the requests of previous tenants to fix the heating. But at last he gives in and he sends someone out to sort it. That's the sort of scenario that Jesus presents his disciples with in these verses To encourage them to pray and not lose heart. Someone in a position of power being ground down by someone who's completely powerless. But it is important that we're clear on what Jesus is doing here. Because often we we look at Jesus' parables, uh, say the prodigal son, and we say, well, well, the father in the story represents God. The the prodigal son is the out and out sinner. Uh, The older brother is a person who's trusting his religion. And with most parables, that is the way to go. But this parable is different. It's one of contrasts. We are different from the widow, and God is very different from the judge. Uh, 
this parable is not teaching that God is unwilling to give us things, but that if we stick at praying long enough, he'll reluctantly give us what we ask for. Rather, Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's saying that if this is what the unjust judge will do, how differently God will respond. Not long before we moved to Stranor, we were having some car trouble. We were living in Dremor at the time. We couldn't get far without a car. Uh, so a, a man in the church in Dremor lent us his car for as long as we needed it. Uh, now imagine that I'd been in his house shortly afterwards and seen a book that, that I'd wanted to borrow. Would I have thought to myself, well, well I'd really like to read that book Uh, And I would ask him for it, but I don't think he'll lend it to me. No. My logic would be, if he's willing to lend me his car, he's going to lend me a book. And in the same way, when we hear this parable, we're to think, if, if the unjust judge will answer this widow's request, how much more will God answer the prayers of his own children? Just think of the differences between God and the judge and between the widow and us. The widow was a stranger to the judge. She didn't know him and he didn't know her. There was no previous relationship there. It wasn't even that she was some distant third cousin twice removed. She had no family connection to appeal to. Whereas Jesus says in verse 7, Will not God give justice to his elect? We are those who God has set his love on from before the foundation of the world. We come to him as children to a father. So if the unjust judge will listen to this widow who has no relation to him, how much more will your heavenly father listen to you? The widow is also different from us because she comes with a purely personal request which the judge had no interest in. It didn't matter to him whether he he granted her that request or, or not. It wouldn't impact his life in any way. But we come to God about a cause which he himself has committed to. Uh, when we are praying uh, things in his will. Uh, And so we can pray like Asaph in Psalm 74, Arise, O God, defend your cause. The unjust judge is different from God precisely because he is unjust. Uh, There are cultures where the only way to progress is to line someone's pockets with money. Uh, Maybe you've experienced a a culture like that where bribes are just an ordinary part of everyday life. Uh, The judge in this story admits that he doesn't fear God or people. So the only way this widow ordinarily could have hoped to get justice would have been to bribe him. How different is our God? He doesn't need anything that we could give him because it's all his anyway. Psalm 50, I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your fold, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. For God to be unjust would be for him to cease to be God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Another way the widow is different from us is that she has no one to speak on her behalf. 
Courts in those days uh, weren't a place where women would be unless there was absolutely no adult male who could speak on her behalf. So even a, a just judge mightn't have paid too much attention to a woman with no one to represent her. But how different it is with us. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. We don't have some state-appointed lawyer. We have the greatest representative we could ever have hoped for to plead our cause. This widow had no promise that the judge would answer her. But we have God's promise that he will do just that. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The widow had never received anything from the judge before. If she'd ever been in his court before and received even the smallest ruling in her favour, it would have granted her at least some hope. But we can pray confidently saying, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So when you come to God in prayer, remind yourself of who it is that you're going to. And remind yourself of all that he's done for you in the past. And so really Jesus' answer here when you're struggling to keep going in prayer could be summed up as remember who God is. Remind yourself of who God is. Jesus' approach here, it isn't to give his disciples uh, practical steps about prayer. Well, here's seven, seven things about prayer, ten things about prayer. He simply reminds them about the God that they're praying to. And that would be enough to encourage them to keep praying. And as well as that, the more we pray in light of who God is and in light of Jesus' return the more our requests will be in line with that great purpose that he's working out in the world. If uh, we've understood that, that he is, is coming back and, uh, and if we're viewing the things in this world as in that perspective, that they will soon be done, that they will soon be over, it will focus us on praying for what really matters. And the more our will will align with God's. So our prayers and God's delays. While we are on this earth, there may be many prayers that we will not see answered the way we want. But in it all, God is working out his purpose in our lives. And by his grace, his true people won't give up. And what is it that will keep going? It's seeing more and more of who it is that we're praying to. Reminding ourselves that we're not dealing with an apathetic, wicked crook who doles out favourable decisions to the highest bidder. But rather we pray to a loving, caring God who's promised to deliver us and has the power to follow through with his promises. And so in light of God's character, we can face those delays like the Apostle Paul saying, let us not grow weary of doing good, 
For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Amen. Our Father in heaven, what a, a contrast there is in this parable between the character of that unjust judge and the character of you, our loving heavenly Father. Uh, we pray that, that that contrast would drive us to, to pray to you all the more, uh, knowing that you are a God who, who loves us, knowing that you're a God who is not indifferent to us, uh, knowing that you are a God who is, is more ready to answer than we are to ask. And we do pray for your people here this evening who have persevered in prayer for years or even decades uh, for certain things and and still uh, they have not seen the answer that they long for. Uh, we pray that you would uh, give justice to your elect. We pray that you would hear their cries. We, we, we pray that you would, uh, you would give uh, regard to uh, the, the, the mediator in whose name they pray. Uh, we, we pray that your people would have the joy of, of seeing those long-term prayers answered. Uh, and we pray uh, that in the meantime that you'd help uh, that you'd help us persevere, uh, that you'd help us uh, keep praying to you, uh, that you'd help us not lose heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.